Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to the new season of the Man on the Post European podcast, season 2019-2020. I am your host, James Rowe, and once again I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening. How are you? We're back, baby. Yeah, I'm good. We are, are we are back. Did you have a good summer? I did. Um, it was mainly involved in watching the cricket. Uh, football took a back burner until about probably about three weeks ago when I started going to some pre-season friendlies. Um, just looking forward to a new season. Uh, my team have already won their first game this season and just hoping to push on. Yeah, well, it's, it's really good that Swindon have got off to a good start and I'm pleased for And We also hope that our listeners have had a good summer. And for listeners that have stayed with us and not forgotten about us, then uh, we're grateful to have you back again. And we are going to start, Scott, by speaking about the very, very big carousel that is the transfer, is the transfers that have taken place over the summer. Are there any transfers that have stood out for you so far this summer? Oh, there's been a few. I know transfer deadline day is, is tomorrow and you're going to see this massive panic of, uh, of clubs trying to splurge all the money that they've got from the TV deals uh, worldwide and trying to get the best players in. I think the lick to Juventus is um, one of the main ones that broke, what, probably three, four weeks ago? I was cu- I was coming back from a pre-season friendly and I just see he landed in, in Turin and he's going to shore up Juventus's ageing backline. Um, I'm just trying to think of some more. Um, Ajax, Ajax got Quincy Premis, which I think is a good signing. Yes, uh, there is an off-the-cuff signing, which I will talk about in a minute. Uh, whilst you are, have your thinking cap on, I think I'm not one to blow my trumpet. I don't do it very often, but I would like to point out that we did point out on this podcast back in March where he was going. And it's nice to get it right, isn't it? It is, yeah. And um, yeah, I'm really pleased for him because I think it's a fantastic move. What listeners might not be aware of is that a lot of IX fans and a lot of Dutch fans and in particular like to say, oh, we have no feeling towards Juventus. You should have gone to Barcelona. You should have gone to the Premier League. I think he's made a tremendous choice. I really do. And I think he's gone to a club which instantly has opportunities to continue to dominate in Italy as well as um, as well as go for the Champions League. And he's such a young head on such an old head on young shoulders, sorry. You even saw last night in the 2-2 draw away to Pauk Saloniki in the qualifying rounds of the Champions League, how much they miss him already. Not in terms of a positional sense, but just a general um, assured back line that was there last year. You can tell that one piece of the puzzle, puzzle is already missing. And I think it's a tremendous signing for him and the club. And I think... Um, I think many good things await both Juventus and the Licht. Did they miss him on Saturday as well when they drew with Vitesse? 
You could, you could, you could say so, but it was more evident last night due to what's at stake. Champions you know, for, League, yeah. Yeah, for a team, for a team that were seconds away from reaching the final, to now, obviously with two away goals, it gives them a huge advantage. But um, they also have to be aware not to get too carried away because some Dutch media channels are saying about oh, a, a potential route of um, of Pauk, Saluniki and Karabag is very easy when they forget that um, Pauk, Saluniki were unbeaten champions in Greece last season and that Karabag won in the Kresia last night away to Apoel. So there are no easy games in, in European level as we know only too well. Mm-hmm. And it's a drum that I like to bang quite often because I think the ignorance is still... They're still around in this day and age that certain clubs are very easy to play at European level when that's not the case. And, um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what happens. There's one transfer I'd like to flag up, which I think has gone completely under the radar, and it only happened a few days ago. Um, keeping with the Dutch players, uh, Hus Thiel of Arsid Alkmaar is signed for Spartak Moscow. Yes, and I saw I, that. Saw and that I tweeted out, yeah. I think it's a very, very shrewd move by Spartak Moscow and him because he's an excellent player. He does not have the coverage that Frankie de Jong has received, but he's, he's going to grow to be a, a very good player in the future. He was actually born in Zambia. I mean, he's fully fledged Dutch, of course, but his, um, his father would work away on business and he was uh, coincidentally born in Zambia in Africa. So that's a little bit of trivia, but I think he's an excellent player. And um, I think that's a move, sticking with Dutch players in particular, from being based here in Amsterdam. That I think, although um, Spartak uh, uh, Moscow have um, released uh, Promes, I think it was back in January, I believe, they've now signed a Dutch player. Not that Promes is, is, is not a good player, because he is, but Hustil in particular is a, is a very shrewd signing, in my opinion. I've got three that come to mind, and then all Europe to South America, and one is very close to my heart. And um, a guy who lived out his dream player for his hometown club for 18 years is now playing for a, for a club who he wanted to play for, and it's Daniele De Rossi moving from Roma to Boca mm-hmm. Juniors for mm-hmm. on a, I think it's a 10 month contract which could be extended, and that was brilliant just to see the fanfare out there. And the other two uh, were announced like in the last couple of days. So you've got Danny Alves. He's gone back mm-hmm. to Sao Paulo. Actually, he's gone, sorry, he's gone back to Brazil and to play for Sao Paulo. And Juan Fran's gone to Sao Paulo as well. Mm-hmm. The former Atletico Madrid right back. I think it's, um, I think we're seeing now how much of a global game it's becoming. Yeah. And I think, I think with uh, Dudossi as well, that just shows to me a, a player who's in total control of his own destiny. That doesn't have to go where the money uh, is. He's gone where he wants to go, and I think that's um, I think that's very special in this day and age because you see that people think, oh, it's all about money. When the history books will show, he played 18 years for Roma, as you rightly say, and is now signed for another one of the biggest clubs in the world in Boca Juniors. And um, I think it's a, a very clever way of planning your transfer business. If I could just add another transfer, which I think. Is um, is a very good bit of business, and that's Godin signing for Inter Milan. Yeah, I think people talk about his age far too much. Class is uh, form is temporary, class is permanent, and he is an absolute beast of a centre half. He's one of the best centre halves I've ever seen play live, and I saw him play live on um, for Villarreal many many years ago in the Bernabeu against Real Madrid, and you knew even then how good he was. And then seeing him 
um, in the back line of Atletico against Arsenal in the semi-final in 2018. And also the final itself in Lyon and in the eventual Super Cup final. You know, he makes everything look so simple because he knows where to stand. He knows how to control and he knows how to communicate with his teammates. And when you are, when you are in complete control like that, you give your back line so much assurance. And uh, you might disagree with me, but also with your Italian football knowledge, I fancy that um, Inter Milan are going to give Juventus a good run for their money. Um, I'm 50-50 with that. It's just that uh, Inter's transfers dealings, I think they're going to leave it late on who to buy. It uh, looks like the Lukaku deal is pretty much almost done. And uh, keep walking at Ed and Dzeko. It'll be interesting to see what Conte does. There's also the Mario Cardi factor at Inter, which is hovering over them at the moment. Mm. Uh, can I add one more as well? And it's um, it's Rajin Anglin going back to Calorie online. Yes. That has a story to it, it itself, and it's um, it's a bit of a sad story. Um, his wife's got cancer, and she's mm. from Sardinia, and they think it's like the best for them to go back to Sardinia. Um, it's a dry loan, which means Calorie just pay a fee for the year. There's no obligations. There's no, no none of that, and he gets back to playing football. Worked, to be honest, before he went to Rome, he was playing his best football for years under in Sardinia, and and that got him his move to to Roma, where he played some unbelievable football for two three years. But then off the field problems hindered his career uh, in his latter years at, at Roma and now at Inter. It's good to get he's got uh, he's gone away from Milan and gone back to Sardinia and so he, he finds his form and that his wife beats cancer yes let's hope so but it's also good in a, in a game saturated by so many different interests that a player has put the most important interest of his before his career and that's to look after his partner and I think it's a very noble decision and fingers crossed as you say she beats it and that they continue to uh, to um, to lead a, a very happy life and uh, fingers crossed for that if I can just round off our transfer segment by um, by making West Ham fans, West Ham don't get spoken about very often in this podcast, but uh, Sebastian Haller signing yes. for Frankfurt. This is, a, I think this is one of the best moves of the Premier League of the entire summer. I think it's gone completely under the radar because um, obviously he wasn't playing as much as he would have liked at Frankfurt. But I know of him from his FC Utrecht days and he's extremely cool in front of goal. It has electric pace. And uh, when his confidence is up, it's up. And I know that people like to malign the Dutch league or people that have come from the Dutch league. There's very much, um, you know, for every Ruud van Nistelrooy, there's an Alfonso Alves. But in this case, Sebastian Haller is a very good player. He was plucked from the youth side of Auxerre by Utrecht. And uh, he was given so much confidence and uh, really became a talisman, especially in the attack. And I think he'll be a, he'll be a good um, signing for West Ham. And uh, as I say, I mean, I, as someone who also interviews professional players and managers as well, the, the saturation of, of players being linked. I mean, I don't know about you, Scott, but I had days during the summer where I read things. And I thought to myself, surely they've just put names in the hat and clubs in the hat and just yeah. drawn them out like an FA Cup third round draw and put two and two together and come up with five. And as I say, in my position interviewing professional players and managers, like today I spoke to Luke Freeman 
Luke um, Luke Chambers, sorry, from uh, Ipswich Town, the captain. Spoke to Luke Freeman a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago at Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, Luke Chambers, Chambers has been at Ipswich for seven years. He's never once thought about le- uh, leaving. He's going into his eighth season. So I think people like to um, stoke the rumours, if you like. But if a player is very happy in an environment on and off the pitch, then sometimes there's no reason to leave, is there? No, no. As you as you um, interviewed those two players, Freeman is now in the Premier League with Sheffield United. Yeah, really pleased about that because it's like a feather in the cap. I mean, I remember speaking to him back in March, and he was telling me about, you know, that coming through the Arsenal youth setup and playing with the likes of Van Persie and Chesney and Wiltshire, and um, I think he'll be a very good signing for Sheffield United. And oh. um, I remember him telling me about about when he was up against certain opponents. It's not the opponent which is which sticks with him. It's the system that they play that could well stifle him, perhaps. Yeah. So um, we are, uh, we're going to close the transfer segment and we have a couple of questions that we think we might like to answer. We're grateful for all the questions we received. We didn't receive that many last year. Maybe we were a bit incognito. But uh, Mike McDonald, who writes uh, a few Arsenal questions, um, um, blogs and uh, it's very sharp with his observations um, he has asked us in which cl- which clubs do we think are going to improve this season due to the transfers they brought and how do we see certain clubs progressing in that respect are there any clubs that stick out for you in that respect Scott? Um, I think Borussia Dortmund's one of them I think they brought a plethora of talent in and they brought back Matt Hummels to help out in their defence um, they brought some exciting players. Said Brandt, um, Hazard, uh, Schultz. Oh, he's an excellent player. Yeah. He, he is an excellent player. I remember, I remember seeing him play um, for uh, Germany against the Netherlands when they won, I think, 3-2 in their most recent qualifier here in Amsterdam. And he was the best player on the pitch. And um, I think for the money that uh, Dortmund have paid for him, and he's... Uh, his um, skills and he's uh, he's got so much stamina as well. He's got so much, you know, he's, he's like he's got such an engine on him. And I think it's a very clever move from um, from Dortmund to get a good player like that. And I know from speaking to Fabian Johnson, who played under Lucien Favre, that his eye for detail is immense. And I can see Dortmund having a fantastic season under the guidance of um, their new captain, Marco Lois. Yeah, and they won the uh, the DFE uh, DFI Super Cup at the weekend and beat Bayern Munich 2-0. Um, I think Jadon Sancho got one of the goals. I can't remember who got the other. Um, but I also think Everton have done well in the transfer business. To get Moise Keane for 30 to £35 million pounds and with no buyback clause... Mm. Is an absolute steal. This is a guy who pretty much broke into the Juventus starting eleven as a starter back in March, April time, and scored quite a few goals at the back of the season. Had that awful time with racism against Callery, and um, it was a, such a shame that his manager at the time and Leo Benucci did not back him. And it was nice of Marcel Brands, the sporting director of Everton, saying to uh, Moise Keane's mum, saying, we'll take care of your son, mm. which is a, a nice touch. And they've also been linked with Saha. has put in a transfer request today. Um, I also say Spurs. I know you're an Arsenal fan. I know 
<clears throat> a couple of Arsenal fans are tweeting it, but I think Tangi and Dombele is without doubt one of the best signings I've seen in the Premier League this summer so far. Mm. Well, as I say, this is a European podcast and you are in touch with your opinion and I will not try and sway anything in that respect. <laughs> and um, But I do I do agree with the, um, with the Dortmund uh, answer you gave. If I can give my answer, and that is Atletico Madrid. Yes. I think they have brought so well. I think, you know, uh, hats off to Kieran Trippier. Yeah, well. that's, a, that's so, a good move. And fair play I, to him. I remember seeing him uh, for the first time play live for Burnley against Arsenal in November 2014. And even though Arsenal won quite convincingly that day, you could tell he was a very good player. And there's, I've often spoken on this podcast about the lack of British players that want to go abroad. And uh, it's, uh, he's going to be working under the best man, one of the best managers in the world. And it's a tremendous opportunity for him, but also with the, how well they brought, you know, Mario Hermoso from Espanyol and um, Michel Felix from Benfica. And you have to remember as well, there's still some still excellent players at that club. There's still the likes of Saul and also Bidolo, who uh, is easily forgotten. You know, he um, I think he went on loan at Las Palmas and is known for his time at Sevilla. And uh, he's an excellent player as well. And, and uh, Thomas Party as well. He's got a real physical presence now. And I don't think that um, I don't think that Atletico will miss Antoine Griezmann. I, no. I don't. I don't think they will. I think the collective will see them through. And um, I think they're in with a chance for honours on three fronts in uh, in Spain, in La Liga, in the Copa del Rey, and possibly even the Champions League as well. I think they've probably saved a lot on wages as well from Griezmann to go from Griezmann to Jao Felix. Jao Felix is what nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, and is probably on a quarter what Griezmann was what was on in his last year at Atletico. Possibly, but also if I can elaborate on the Griezmann one as well, Scott. I've followed him since his Real Sociedad days, so I know how good he is. I it's just my personal opinion. Some might disagree with me, but. I don't think there's anything left for him to do in Spain. So I don't, I don't particularly understand why he's signing for Barcelona. Uh, you know, I don't think, I think he's, he's proven how good he is in Spain. He had a tremendous World Cup and was, played a huge part in, uh, in France's success. I would have liked to see him go to the Premier League. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. But, um, yeah, it's a strange one, really. I mean, obviously, with uh, Barca signing uh, Frenkie de Jong as well and, and Griezmann lauding de Jong's praises on, on different social media videos. It'll be interesting to see how it all fits in. But um, he, he seems to really fit at Atletico. He, he really seemed to, you know, you could, identi- could identify with the club. The club loved him. He loved the club. I'm not sure he's going to get that same relationship at Barcelona. I'll be extremely surprised if he does. Yeah, could you see it being another, another Philippe Coutinho? Uh, I sincerely hope, hope I'm wrong. Sincerely hope I'm wrong. But um, yeah. I think it all depends on how they start because I think the, the Barcelona fans, their vitriol towards um, Ernesto Barberde, as we spoke about last year, should they, uh, even though they were successful, OK, they didn't, okay, didn't win the Champions League, but they lost the Copa del Rey final and they lost... Uh, they, they won in La Liga, sorry, and they uh, gave away in the semi-finals a, a place in the, in the final of the Champions League. He received so much criticism that you would have forgotten 
but they actually won the league last season. You know, in terms of the criticism that um, that he received. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Very looking, very much looking forward to La Liga this season. Do you know what? It's, there's not been a TV deal that's been brokered yet for La Liga here in the UK, and it starts next Friday or next Saturday. Goodness. I know it was on uh, Eleven Sports mm. at first, and then it was on Premier Sports, and ITV4 had it as well, was split with those two. But yeah, you've still got to go. There's no TV deal for La Liga mm. yet, and we're a week and a half from it starting. Mm. I, I, I read a report as well where it's. Um, Certain clubs have, have, have complained to the Spanish FA about playing on Mondays and Fridays. And yeah, they're, they're looking to ban. Yeah, and get rid of that. Yeah, and um, you can streamline it a lot. I mean, I've I had a period in Spain where I went to watch Real Madrid on a regular basis, and it is strange as a supporter um, to go to watch football at ten o'clock at night on a Monday. Yeah, you know, it, it is a strange feeling. It's like. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you're going and you're excited, but also you've got the working week ahead of you and things like that. And But it is an experience. I mean, I remember once uh, they played at midnight and I remember a famous quote from the Ben Deportiva La Coruña manager, Javier Urureta, sorry, who stated that um, uh, when he had his press conference, he said, how on earth can I go out? How on earth can I go out to tell my wife? But I'm going out to watch a football match at midnight. She's obviously going to think I'm cheating on her. <laughs> and uh, that was a clever quote that I thought was uh, was stood the test of time. We also received uh, a question from um, from uh, Ray from Arsenal Fan Circle, who I often speak with on a couple of Arsenal podcasts, and he has asked us to um, to give our Champions League predictions and our Europa League predictions as to who we think are going to win it. So would you like to start with that, Scott? I know it's a bit premature, but, you know, he was, uh, he wanted to pass on the question. So, uh, I mean, we, I mean, I dropped the, the lift to Juventus back in March, so it should, you know, people can, uh, I think they'll be quite pleased to get a bit of a inside track. But what, what's your opinions on this? Oh, goody my aunt. Um, I know Juventus are pretty much want all their eggs in that Champions League basket, especially with the, the two massive deals they've got over the last two seasons with Cristiano Ronaldo and Matthias De Ligt, probably for a combined 180 million euros for the pair. And they want to win that trophy, which they haven't won since, what, early 90s. Um, Dicks, right? Yeah, against Ajax. Yeah, so... Oh, I think it's it's going to be between Manchester City, Barcelona, Liverpool and Juventus. And your answer is? I think it could be Barcelona. Okay, I'm going to go for Juventus. I I just I just think now with the with the, the I'm not saying the lift is going to change it, but I just think the time is ticking on Ronaldo will, will want to uh, to win the Champions League with yeah. Juventus. I think this is going to be a, the, the hardest swing at it that they're going to give, and I think they're going to come. They're going to go quite far. So maybe even a Barcelona Juventus final. Put your money on that, listen. Yeah, it could be like Berlin, twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's the seventh of August, two thousand and nineteen, at eight o'clock local time here in Amsterdam. So therefore, we'd like to tell you now that the Champions League final is going to be Barcelona against Juventus. So get your money on that, and you can thank us both in May. We'll t- we'll take a cut. 
Indeed. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Europa League, Scott? Oh, God, there's so many good teams in it, and you've still got the qualifiers to go. Yeah, would you like to repeat that for the ignorant Arsenal fans, please? can <laughs> hear me. Would you like to repeat that a little bit louder, please? There are some good European teams in the Europa League, and whoever drops out of the Champions League is also going to be in it as well. So remember exactly. that in February. Exactly. Also, if, I can, if I can just quickly elaborate on that before you continue on your point, yeah. you only have to look. We are currently in the second qualifying round. I repeat, the second qualifying round. And that has seen FC Utrecht, Stelum Glass and Maccabi Haifa, uh, one of the biggest clubs in Israel, one of the most club, seasoned clubs in Austria, and an excellent side in Utrecht with a tremendous manager in Van der Brom, already eliminated. And we're only in the second qualifying round. So there's lots more surprises to come. And uh, we'll probably speak about this in future pods, uh, Scott, before you continue with your point. But I'm sure you've seen it. It could well be a Wolves-Torino qualifying round. And I think I'm I'm going to side with you. I think Torino will beat Wolves over two legs. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, Torino haven't really brought anyone in uh, over the summer. Uh, They've literally... I, I actually don't think they've actually brought anyone in. Uh, apologies. Um, uh, I think they've got another week or so before the Italian window shuts. Uh, but yeah, they they did well last season and they got into Europe thanks to AC Milan taking the voluntary agreement, which made Roma go through to the group stage and AC Milan go out of Europe and Torino take their place. Um, Wolves done some excellent business so far. Oh, God, that's going to be an absolute bouter of a tie. I'm going to toot my own horn. I think Roma might do well this season in the Europa League with a, with a new coach under Paolo Fonseca. OK, but as a fan of Roma, you weren't too enamoured by his appointment, or, or were you? Oh, no, I was absolutely loving it. I think he's an oh, excellent okay. coach. Um, he's going to take this, hopefully take this club forward with the style of football that he did with Shakhtar. I was absolutely buzzing for it. I was a bit sad for Ranieri. Um, he did so well at the end, um, and he had the the admiration of the fans. I will say whoever wins potentially uh, if they both go through their next qualifying stages whoever wins out of Wolves and Torino might go far in the, in the Europa League. Mm. be very interesting. I think the small details of who is at home in the second leg are going to prove decisive. Uh, I'm going to mention two teams in the Europa League which I think everybody appears to have forgotten about. The first one is Wren. Uh, now I was at the home leg when Arsenal won 3-0 at home to Wren back in March and although it sounded convincing they hit the post they hit the bar they were unlucky not to dispatch your Arsenal and they've got some very good players the likes of Saar Benjamin Borgio who I can't believe nobody has picked up you know this is a young player who came through the famous academy at Lens and he's an excellent player but obviously because he's playing for Rennes people are saying oh he can't be that good but he is he's an excellent player and also another team which I think will go under the radar Bruce Munchen Gladbach they are coached by uh, Marco Rose, who, uh, who is, is a German manager who's held in extremely high regard. And for the older listeners amongst us, obviously with the early 70s, how, how good Borussia Mönchengladbach were. And Marco Rose had a two-year spell at uh, Salzburg, where they were playing some exceptional football at times. And I think he'll get a tune out of Mönchengladbach as well. And I... I, I um, I'd like to elaborate on what you said about the amount of good teams in the Europa League. You know, my team has played a terrible final against Chelsea and this 
Europa League is only going to be even more difficult. I mean, I've seen some Arsenal fans on Twitter claim that um, Arsenal can play the kids and get through the group. Now, I, I think yeah, I think that's completely. I think the naivety is just off the scale. But that's, that's why I've been saying, uh, and I made the point uh, just a second ago about it's only the second qualifying round, and you've got teams that are very very good that have already been dispatched, and uh, we we were just talking about uh, talking about a potential. Um, a potential one of Wolves or Torino going out, but who's to say who's to say they'll, they'll face one another? Stravinsky Mostar from Bosnia knocked out Estudech, who had to fight all the way through the uh, European Quali- yeah qualifiers, yeah. And they drew at home one one in Utrecht, and they lost in extra time in Bosnia, and then that's them out. Another team uh, that I'd like to comment about is Harkesson from Norway. I interviewed their uh, left-back, Mikael Dessa, a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me how much togetherness there is in this squad. And they play, they face PSV at home in Norway with the second leg in Eindhoven, and I think they're going to beat PSV over two legs. What uh, happened to PSV in the uh, the Champions League qualifiers? They thought they pretty much had it wrapped up and then sort of blew it last week? Yeah, therein lies the problem. They thought they had it wrapped up. Therein lies the problem. And obviously, Ricky Van Rolleswinkle, a striker that I've also interviewed in the past, when he's on song, he can still do a job. And scoring that decisive uh, goal to um, to help them, to help Basel. And um, you see that um, I think Basel are going to do all right. I mean, they're currently playing Linz in the uh, Champions League qualifiers. Match has only just kicked off. But as we've said on many different pods, Scott, you know, it's a world game now. There are no easy games in Europe. We're going to have enough talking points to speak about over the course of both tournaments. And it's going to be a very long and very fruitful season. Yeah, just looking through some of the fixtures for tomorrow. Um, you've got Luzerne, Espanyol, mm-hmm. uh, FC Vaduz versus Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah. Uh, Michelin versus Rangers. Actually, a third point, I think Rangers might do well in Europe this season if they can get through. They they bought well. Um, I like the look of Aribo who plays for um, for Rangers. They got him from Charlton last season. Mm-hmm. Feyenoord versus Dynamo Tbilisi. Um, uh, Strasbourg versus Lokomotiv Plodiv. Strasbourg is pretty much one of the fairy tales. Uh, they won yeah. one of the French Cups last season. Yeah. And uh, and got through to Europe, and I, yeah. I think many f- fans would like to see them do well. I think I think they'll reach the group phase without any difficulty whatsoever. Yeah, and uh, another one is FC Tun versus Spartak. Spartak have spent quite a bit of money this season. Yes, um, I know they lost Quincy Promes to Seville but, last season, but, but this deal is a tremendous. Yeah. yeah, and I one of my most recent interviews was the uh, Bosnia was the. Um, Liechtenstein winger uh, Denis Slanovic, who plays for FC Tun. Yeah, and they've I've also won- got. Uh, sorry, I won't they- give too much away about what we spoke about, but that will be published in the next couple of weeks, and I think it will coincide with FC Tun uh, maybe hitting the headlines for the right reasons, or not. Not they're never in the headlines for the wrong reasons, but he was describing about the club and how well run they are. And as you say, we're, we're just going through a couple of the fixtures: Sparta Prague, Tabs. Trabs on score as well is another one. Not that we condone gambling on this podcast because <laughs> we don't, but I would like to point out that Dynamo Tbilisi are currently 11 to 1 to win in Rotterdam. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous odds. Yes, 11 to 1. You stick to a winner on that. You're, you're yeah. an absolute golden. 
Okay, but also final under the under the manager. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get Eriki van Rolleswinkel. I don't think they're going to get him. To be honest, I'll be surprised if if he leaves Basel to go to to final. I remember when I spoke to him last last January and he's uh, the January before. Sorry, and he said about um he said about how um how happy he was there and you know his family as well how happy everybody is and I can't see him giving that up to go to final but it's a great respect to final obviously I'm based in Amsterdam and there's a huge rivalry not just between Ajax and final but also Amsterdam and Rotterdam and I have no hat on I'm completely objective but um, I'll be surprised if that comes off but um, I think that's um, I think it's going to we're going to be in for a few more surprises and uh, Bromby Braga is also a, an interesting one, so uh, be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, some interesting ties. You know, when we were talking about Yapstam and Feyenoord, some interesting transfer news. I've just looked on um, the social media. Um, Feyenoord have sold. Is it uh, Jemias and Oost? Yeah, he's Mainz. Yeah, Boetius, who also used to play for Feyenoord. And they um, also drew 2-2 in the Rotterdam derby. Um, I managed to turn over and catch the last six minutes of added time because I got bored of watching Steve Smith bat England out of a test match. And I flicked okay. over and, and I flicked back and Steve, Steve Smith was out. But I got to see um, is it Sam Larson score right at the end from close mm. range. Well, I thought Sparta were very unlucky. They were leading 2-1. And uh, they will, they're the oldest club in the Netherlands, Sparta Rotterdam. And everybody, whether you are Ajax final, PSV, Ajax Alkmaar, everybody is always happy to see Sparta back in the top division. And they're under the tutelage of uh, Henk Fraser, who used to manage Vitesse and won with Vitesse their very first trophy when they won the Dutch Cup, beating um, beating Ajax Alkmaar. And um, yeah, I think Sparta will stay up without any difficulty whatsoever, and I think they'll give uh, they'll give many teams a bloody nose this season. They've got some very good players, and uh, be interesting to see how they fare. Um, Scott, this is our first part of a very very long season. Would you like to tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Monroe. Um, I, I can answer any questions. Just 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 fire them over. Okay, and Scott is closing in on almost a thousand followers. We'd like to get him up to that as quickly <laughs> as possible. Uh, you can also follow me on at James Rowe NL and should Van Wolleswinkel sign for Rotterdam and your sign for finals Rotterdam, then you can uh, you can give me all the stick in the world. But obviously, say it's just an opinion. But feel free to check out the latest interviews as well of mine with many different players all over Europe and all over the world on at James Rowe NL. We'd like to thank you for joining us after our summer break, and we hope you all had a wonderful summer. We'd like to thank you for joining uh, the Man in the Post uh, podcast network and, and not forgetting us. We'd also like to point you in the direction of the Man in the Post extra time and unusual efforts where we have something for everybody. And we shall uh, speak again soon. And finally, always remember to keep your Man on the Post.